1: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: All right, welcome to Film Study, preseason game one. We're still looking at, we're gonna look at the offense tonight. Ken McKusick, how you doing?
3: Life's good, Josh. How about you?
2: I'm doing, doing all right. Now, joining us this week is Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the uh, 2021 season.
4: Thanks for having me. It's a really exciting one to start off with here on this offensive preseason game. I'm kind of kicking myself. Ken, you you messaged me and said, hey, which one do you want? And I was like, I'm kind of busy. When you were filming the defense, I was like, I'll take offense. And now I'm just like, oh, I should have made time. I should have made time. It would have been better to review the defense.
3: You you definitely got the short straw, no doubt about it. (laughs) Uh, uh, There's a lot of things we could talk about that aren't the offense here, because there's so much about this offense that's difficult to analyze. When yeah. the you know the, the offensive line played so poorly, but uh, how about the announcers in this game? Did you did you like uh, Mike Nolan and Rod Woodson?
4: I uh, loved Mike Nolan. I thought Rod Woodson was okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you think, but sometimes Jerry would toss to him on some like one time he's like, what, what is Coach Harbaugh saying to Huntley after he fumbled?" and he's like, um, "Son." don't do that. And I'm like, yeah. come on, Ron, Let, let's bring it out a little bit more. But in terms of X's and O's and analysis, I thought both were fantastic.
3: Yeah, they're. they're it's very good, very interesting to have them talk about specific plays. Nolan, a defensive coach, of course, still is talking about the, the counter and the power uh, run they had to get the touchdown. Uh, you know, I thought very effectively. I thought Woodson did a great job uh, really rebuking one of the penalty calls, which was terrible, by the way, was the yeah. was the uh, illegal downfield call against Phillips. I think it was uh, all three men clearly behind the line of scrimmage when the ball was thrown, and he noticed it in real time. But they wouldn't replay it for him or whatever. But the, but he did. Yeah. He, was, he was right on the money there. I, I liked it. I I I think. There are reasons to have an offensive guy and a defensive guy, but I also right. think it's kind of cool to have two defensive guys who are talking the same language, and then you really get something special.
4: Right, but, uh, especially for a night like last night when it was all defense <laughs> for the Ravens. So <laughs> There
3: you go. Uh, tough night for the, for the offensive line, as we mentioned. It just everything about it um, was bad. It really reduced the playbook in a significant way and you know one of the things i looked at going through this is if people been, a lot of praise is being handed out to Josh Oliver well Josh Oliver was targeted 6 times in this game four of them whereas the first level read on one of these Vanilla boots we've been seeing since early in the Flacco era, even before. Uh, every team has it. You, you zone block in one direction, you boot in the other direction with your quarterback. Uh, the Ravens ran it more left than I expected. I think they might have done it two left and two right. With Joe Flacco, pretty much was all right that they would, they, they would have Flacco boot towards. Um, and, and it was just funny to me. All, all four of his catches were these little tosses where the defender was not fooled on the backside. The edge defender has to be fooled for that play to work. And he gets the ball in his hands.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's that was <laughs> kind of the bread and butter of the offense because um, slowly the the Saints started to like come on to it a little bit more, but I mean, they were gaining yards. I think the last time he caught a bootleg, it was like for five yards and then he got pounded. Um, but it was just one of those things that, you know, you keep doing it until it stopped and it felt like they were, you know, on a couple of them gaining pretty good chunks of yards. But outside of that, um, there are a couple passes here and there. It made it very, difficult to give any sort of analysis on the receivers, which is what I really, I was looking forward to looking at Prochet, especially after all the talk about him, you know, coming out of training camp, and I know you're there, I'm not, but so I wanted to see it from my own eyes, and I was just like, I can't see what these guys can do, Uh, because as you said, the the, the playbook was limited, and so, you know, the the bootleg was like, okay, at least we're moving the ball here, (laughs) you know, so...
3: Yeah, a, a couple decent run after catches from Oliver there. Uh, uh, you mentioned the one play where he got to, got turned around, but uh, it's just it, they didn't do a lot of the power running, a lot of the you know power pulling because they couldn't get anything started on the ground. There, you know, Hill and Dobbins together were held to almost nothing. I think it was eight yards between them on about eight carries, so uh, you know nothing that would would, uh, would would get you wanting to run the ball more. The quarterbacks did most of the running. That's not that unusual for the Ravens, but they had over the half the total yards between McSorley. And uh, Huntley.
4: Yeah, they both out of scrambles. Um, really nice escapability, which we'll talk about later with uh, Huntley. Um, and we'll get more into it, but Tyson Williams, I mm-hmm. thought, was a standout in the run game. But to your point, I think it was telling. Uh, and of course, by then, we've got the backups, the backups, but the Ravens were trying to run out the clock after the they got that go-ahead touchdown, and they started out with two runs, and the line wasn't budging, <laughs> you know, so there was, and, and even on, on, on the one, talk about the power, they tried to bring in a bunch of big bodies for Dobbins on fourth and one in the first quarter, and he lost a yard. And they had brought out some of their bigger bodies that they had available, and they just just got pushed backwards. So you're right. I mean, they just could not get that going.
3: Yeah, a, a really embarrassing night for the offense. It really starts with the offensive line. So let's get that over with, and then we can talk about some <laughs> of the stuff that's not quite as bad. Uh, so many things to start with here, but I'm going to talk just a little bit at the at the at the higher level. They used six different offensive line combinations for the night on 13 series. So they were they switched every other series pretty much. Uh, the Saints are a talented defensive line, and they had most of their guys for this game. Uh, didn't play everybody. Uh, what I found most troublesome was the Ravens had four tackles that completely bombed out of this Ooh. game. And they were terrible. I'm not talking Villanueva, because he didn't play long enough for me to give him that kind of a grade. But, but there are four guys who were in a tackle who the Ravens might have thought... Uh, could be a backup or emergency tackle. I hope they're basically dissuaded of that at this point. And we'll talk talk kind of through them.
4: I was uh, dissuaded by it, Ken, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure, sure. Do no. not want to see Powers there ever, ever, ever. McCary, I'm over it. Andre Smith, oh my goodness. You're three That's for even, three. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even remember who else was there, but I was just like this every single time. Both sides of the tackles, like these quarterbacks, are just enveloped. It was just over and over and over again. It was it was not good.
3: It was a, it was a suffocating, you know, left and right pocket. You're right; he's in a vice the whole time, particularly McSorley, but uh, but in the second half as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would you like to talk about first among the linemen?
4: Um, I hate to do this, so you don't officially grade in the preseason, do you, Ken? No, I don't. I don't go through the
3: entire process, and boy, I wouldn't have had any fun doing it, I can tell you that. No, so uh, what... But I do score play-by-play and go through and count pressures and things like that.
4: Okay. Well, so what I'll do is go by the guy that stood out the most. And of course, in this case, it's going to be stood out the most for bad reasons. Um, so what I ended up doing is every time I took a note and I had to stop taking notes, I definitely did it through the first, I did it for the, through the first three quarters. But if I took a note, um, what my process was is, um, If it was like neither good or bad, I'd leave it the font black. If it was bad, I'd change the name to a red font. And if it was good, I would change the the name to a blue font. So this is not official, because like I said, I kind of like, you know, got tired of it after a while, but Powers had five reds for me. Um, was completely overpowered as a tackle and so uh, to be fair I mean I don't think he's ever going to be a tackle that is not his position and so some of these reds are because he was playing at a position that he really just has no right playing and part of that is because the Ravens are in you know a bad situation um, with their depth and so so part of it's that maybe they're experimenting a little bit to see what they could do um, so maybe that's not totally on powers but just over and over and over again he stood out to me both as a tackle where, I mean, the, it was just collapsing. His guy was getting through. But also as a guard, I didn't think, feel like he was great. I think there was, like, on that QB draw, he yes. was part of the reason. Yeah, he, that, he was, yeah. yeah, he got caved in, and so did Bozeman, actually. Um, he was part of the problem with Dobbins getting a negative one uh, on that fourth and, and one. Um, so Powers, man, that was just that was a rough outing for him, I felt like. And so he was one of the ones that stood out as, as just on the bad side.
3: You got very, very similar scoring to you. I mean, the, the, the only play I actually have a marked down for is the, is the QB draw failure. Uh, that was really him more than anybody else. Although though it looked to me like the QB draw pretty much wasn't there from the start. There wasn't enough mm-hmm. space, but powers did get beat. But then when he moved to, when he moved to uh, tackle, he kept losing the edge on run plays, getting bold. He, he, he got bold where he tripped, um, uh, the quarterback up, McSorley, for a sack minus five. Uh, three plays in a row, in fact, he was beaten. Another one ended up being, just being a flush for, for a two-yard run. Might not be counted as a pressure by some people, but, uh, but that was a he ran him out of a pressure, if anything. Uh, it, it was just a nightmare night for Powers. And I'm with you that I think he was playing out of position for enough That I haven't given up on him as a guard, Mm -hmm. but I really want experimentation to stop with him at tackle at this point. He had three series there and we've seen enough. It's funny because Powers had uh, a few snaps at center and they decided that was over in training camp last year when he had some wild, wild snaps. So it's it's mm. uh, it really he's he's had a couple of the positional trials. We're back to he's just a guard. Right. That's it, it, not a bad thing. I, I, I think he'd still be a decent player. It's, it's just he, he doesn't belong at tackle and he can't be the guard tackle the Ravens might lean on somehow.
4: Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Who do you have next?
3: Uh, Let's talk about Tyree Phillips, because he really, really had an awful game. Uh, At left tackle, then he moved to left guard. Uh, Neither of those positions, in my opinion, is the position where the Ravens need him to play and need to figure out what he can do. They really need him at right tackle to figure out can he handle the easier scheme the Ravens have over there? Left tackle, he was too slow, and he was he was consistently awful. He's all over my notes in a negative way here. Um, they, they moved him to left guard and honestly had a pretty bad game there as well. Uh, but it's at right tackle where the Ravens should play him. Now, they played Villanueva at right tackle for two series, so I understand why they want to do that. Yeah. They want to get you know see if he can play right tackle. But the fact of the matter is, if anything happens to Stanley, it ain't going to be Phillips who moves into left. Left tackle, It better be Villanueva, who has a lot of experience there, and they'd move, I think, Phillips to right tackle. So in order for them to figure out what they have, they're going to have to play some of Phillips at right tackle in the preseason. And we're out of guys here. We just mentioned everybody who's bad. And we're going to go through what they did that was bad in this game. But it, it, the Ravens are out of options at, at right tackle, or really at tackle at all. After Phillips, at this point, I, you know, they, I guess we could talk about Schofield, but honestly, he might not even make the roster. So, uh, you know, it's really, they're 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 out of options. So, Phillips really needs time at right tackle. I don't think he's going to be the left guard once Cleveland comes back. So, uh, I think that uh, you know he'll he'll be a a replacement possibly at either position, but his most important position he really needs to learn to play at this point is right tackle.
4: Can you tell me a little bit, I was really bummed that was gonna be my first exposure to to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what you've seen from him at training camp?
3: Um, okay, he hasn't been perfect by any stretch, but when he's been good, he's been really good. And by the way, Harbaugh announced he had a concussion today, which yeah, is the first 1st yeah. I'd heard about that.
4: So uh, hopefully back Wednesday, right?
3: Yeah, well, okay. hopefully, and, and you you know we don't know, because he, if he misses another week, it, it really, I think, imperils his starting prospects for the year. But anyway, what he's been at camp, um, he's an absolutely enormous human being, even for a lineman. So he, he towers over the other interior lineman by significant amount, and he's about tackle size. Except he's a lot bigger, you know, in terms right. of his barrel chestedness and whatnot. Um, he's not—he doesn't carry about a bunch of bad weight. So Andre Smith is big, but he's fat. Uh, and and uh, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Cleveland is is big and barrel chested and just built unbelievably thickly um, right. top to bottom. He's got that very squared off build. They call it, you know, Mayock refers to it as sand in the pants, but, but tremendous earth moving <laughs> ability. And, yeah. you know, honestly, run blocking had been part of his problem at Alabama that he's a little stiff, didn't move all that well despite pretty good speed. Um, but but what what uh, I've seen in camp is is he's been very effective on run blocks. And the last time before he was hurt, he had five consecutive good run notes uh, that I put it uh, posted on Twitter, and then uh, and then he was pulled, and he didn't show up again the rest of the day. And I'm like, oh damn, I want to see some pass blocking. I want to see what he can do there? And right. um, he's he's been up and down, I would say, in terms of his pass blocking effectiveness. Uh, and and you know there will be questions with him as a rookie in terms of can he pick up stunts? Can he do these other things?
4: Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, all all I could say to myself as I watched yesterday he can't be worse than what I felt like I saw at left guard, you know, in the preseason opener. (laughs) So by default, I would think that he's going to be in, even though I haven't, I haven't seen him play. So um, yeah. And, and, and I agree with you. I just don't think you can make Phillips the left guard because he has to be that swing tackle. I mean, I guess he could be at left guard. And then if something happened, you could, you know, swing them out and then put in, in Cleveland, but I'd prefer it that you start to get these guys used to what they're gonna be playing and so, uh, you know, I would I would want Phillips practicing that, as you said, the right tackle and left.
3: Yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense to me. And the thing that the Ravens have not wanted to do is make multiple changes when they have an injury. They want to make a one-for-one change. Right. They're not going to be able to do that at left tackle. they got to give up that thought right away because Villanueva is going to have to move to left tackle. He's the only other guy on the team who can play the position if Stanley gets hurt. They can make a one-for-one change at right tackle if Villanueva gets hurt. And they can make a one-for-one change at other positions potentially. But if they start with Phillips at left guard, which some people still think is is the best choice at this point, and they have an injury at left tackle, it'll mean that Villanueva has to move from right to left. It'll mean that Phillips has to move from left guard to right tackle. I mean, that Cleveland has to move in at left guard. Right. And I think you don't, you really don't want to have that happen during the season. And you basically have been been playing preseason one again, uh, you know, in week four or something. We don't want to do that.
4: That's partly why they didn't move Bozeman over to center, which is probably a good segue (laughs) into my next, my next one. I was surprisingly disappointed in Bozeman. I mean, I know that he obviously had the ankle. Um, so he only had 14 snaps. So that was 18%. In those 14 snaps, I had two and a half reds. Um, I had them partly on that quarterback draw. I know you put that more on, um, Powers, Um, but I mean, he was—he allowed pressures. I'm trying to think what I've got here. Oh, when he did a combo block with McCary, I think they both let a guy through there. He was pushed back on that negative one rush by. I mean, everybody got pushed back on that Dobbins run.
3: Um, He was the worst. He got stood right up.
4: He—he got stood right up. He had. I mean, he was doing—he did nothing. He snapped the ball, and then after that, it was just like, yeah, totally, totally pushed back. So, um, again, he. who knows? He's got two players on either side of him that are playing um, out of not starting capabilities, and he's still getting—you know, that's his first— 14 snaps in the NFL, even in the preseason at, at, at center. So, you know, in no way am I panicking about Bozeman. But, um, but I was slightly surprised seeing, seeing in just those 14 snaps that I had put him in the red.
3: Yeah, it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't a good outing for him. And, and the guys that they should have there for the opener, Zeitler and Cleveland, are a lot better. Yeah, um, but I, 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 you know, honestly, looking at at both Powers and McCarey, those are guys the Ravens hope will be decent backups. I mean, Powers, they really want to be a, a you know, a, a solid backup. They can plug in one for one at either guard spot. McCarey at guard or center. I hope they've given up on the whole tackle thing. Yeah. But I mean, they they need those guys to be decent players. They they shouldn't be as bad as they were even against the Saints starters. I didn't think. So, do you want me to go next? Sure, no, yeah. I'm, I'm basically in agreement on Bozeman. You hit on all the plays right there, including the, the that big fourth-and-one play. Uh, McCary is a guy we, we, we need to take a, a – a, talk about because he he exemplifies something I really hate uh, when, I know with offensive line players when they talk about faux versatility and it's gonna happen on defense too the guy last year was jihad Ward talking about him being well he could play defensive line whenever the Ravens needed him well no he can't he's an outside linebacker who kicks in to pass rush the passer from the from the inside he'd do it in an emergency he could get you through a game and right. that's what I think you could get through a game with McCarry at tackle but he better not be part of your plans because right because I think we I think we saw that, that you know his length was a huge problem on the left side and uh, he got he got pushed around and and basically you know what it reminded me of is seeing Calais Campbell come on with Brian Baldinger and Push him around on a on a little video they were making, but it's just it was abuse. I mean, he's, he's just a much longer and currently active player versus an ex NFL linebacker, right. a lineman, rather, getting getting pushed around like that, and uh, he just just does not have the length to play the position. And and uh, I think he still can be decent at the interior positions for the Ravens. I just I you know the idea that he can play tackle. Let's let's not pretend that versatility exists.
4: Yeah. No. I. Yeah. We said at the top, that's another tackle option that they tried that just isn't happening. I had him on four reds, four okay, reds Okay, that's him. good. So, uh, Colón Castillo, um, I felt like was a mixed bag. I have two reds. I liked him better at center, which is, I think, his more natural position. Um, I didn't like him as much at guard.
3: Yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, One of the last plays of the first quarter I had was losing the right edge at guard on a run for zero, uh, which was also Powers um, was involved in this, but he got a little bit ragdolled on that play. I did think that of the Ravens' early entries, and he was the first entry at center after Bozeman. He was also the first entry at guard, which was before that. um, I thought he stayed out of trouble the most. So I thought he, you know, he'd be pretty decent. And uh, he, by the way, he's changed the, the back of his jersey. Now it's just cologne. He's not calling Castillo hey, anymore. That
4: makes it so much easier. So much easier. <laughs> yeah, especially for the play-by-play guys. Um, I had, because you said um, he was the one of the better ones. I have Bredesen in that category, too. He had um, the most snaps, I believe, of anybody. He had 62, 82% of the night. And I, and I had almost really nothing notable. I didn't have any reds unless I missed something. Um Uh, So the fact that I didn't notice him and he was out there the most, I thought was a good sign.
3: Yeah, he gave up a pressure in quarter two, 10, 11, as I have it. He wasn't perfect. Um, He got another... Would have been a pressure, but the ball was out quick at 844 the second. So, I But I, I'm in agreement with you that basically he stayed out of trouble for most of the night. And by the way, Ben Bredesen needed to take a step forward to cling to the edge of the roster. He is, he's definitely completely on the bubble at this point. Um, there are other players around. There's a real question of whether the Ravens will keep nine or ten offensive linemen. There's a question as to whether they need to go out and find another tackle that's I don't think ever been more evident than it is right at this exact moment. Um, but you know he's he he needed not only for himself to basically stay out of trouble for a night, which he basically did, mm-hmm. but he also needed the, that his rest of his competition to take a step back, and they also did too. So taking, this helps him.
4: Taking camp into consideration, is power still um, much better, slightly better, or even with Bredesen in your mind?
3: third and second year player powers has is just more athletically gifted than Bredesen. he's also longer which I like um, uh, you, you know, there is some mix and max things if 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 powers had had a decent outing at tackle I'd say screw it you know, Bredesen's ready to be caught, and Powers is the guy. But I, I, it's it's less clear to me now. Powers had a very bad night. We're going to see Powers, I think, at guard again. It'll be yeah. interesting to see this next game, and this is something you really ought to look for. Uh, and I'm talking to the viewers. I know you know look, to look for this area is order of entry. So is is Powers in the lineup before Bredesen is in the next game after Bredesen had this extended trial?
4: Yeah, that's that's a good note to look for. Um. Yeah, because I don't want to throw it all away. Powers has the starting experience and all Mm -hmm. of that. So um, I just remember Buffalo, and now I have this game. So these are my two last impressions of Powers, and they're not good. So it's giving me, you know, not a good feeling in my stomach. So I just don't want to throw it all away. That's why I asked you for for training camp. I, Um,
3: I thought he was better the second half of last year than PFF graded him, for example.
4: Who's he? Powers.
3: Powers. So okay. yeah. So he, I mean, he. played what? Seven or eight games. He started at the end of the last year, and and uh, and I didn't think he was bad, really, at all. I thought he was he was a solid player. I thought if they'd gone into the season, they hadn't drafted a guard, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Of course, you know, now you really look at things and you say, well, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but we are where we are, and and uh, I'm with you. I don't I don't want them to throw away what they have with Powers and give up on that. And I don't think yeah. we've seen enough from Bredesen yet. By the way, funny thing about Bredesen he's not taking snaps at center they had him in there for one day when one of the centers got hurt so they would have four but basically Bredesen is a very short arm player and it makes all the sense in the world if you think you want to keep him to get him in there playing center and they just haven't done it so I, I just I, I'm, I'm having a lot of trouble figuring out what the plan is for him and it, and it may be that that's a strong indication that they don't really see the future because if they did I think they'd be, they'd be trying to get him snaps mm. there
4: mm. good point um, let's see. The only other one I have no time. We kind of brushed on him, Andre Smith. <laughs> um, yeesh. That was. Okay, so we had 41 snaps, of about half the time, 54%. I cannot tell you how many times I saw Saint number 93 <laughs> getting yep. after the quarterback time and time and time again. Number 93, number 93. Like, he was just. It was just like. Running by Smith, like it was like I was out there blocking him. It was just like (laughs) uh, constantly back there. And I thought, I thought it was. it showed, it showed uh, how we'll get to the quarterbacks later and you know, everybody's like, well, Huntley or Huntley played against the worst defense. And that's true. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. But he helped Smith out his escapability. It's like what Lamar does. He makes people look better. So, you know, there could have been sacks. There could have been so many bad things there but I felt like Huntley was able to scramble or just escape and either run or, or throw on the run. It was just time and time again uh yeah, time and time again Smith was letting his guy through. it was it was not a good outing.
3: Right so one of them led to the interception that was at Q2102. the other one, uh, which was actually ended up being a good play with Q213 seconds. Uh, Smith uh, was beaten outside by 90. The, the pocket got pressured, and McSorley actually escaped to the right side. I thought the best part of McSorley's outing was how he handled about the last 15 seconds of the half, running for 22 yards, then a pass for 13, getting the timeout quickly, though that wasn't all him, and getting that field goal before halftime.
4: You put part of that interception. I felt like I felt like McSorley—I mean, he was definitely coming, but I felt like McSorley, McSorley just made a bad throw. I feel like he could have made a better throw. Even with that pressure.
3: He he wasn't hit before the thing, but pressure impacts the throw in theory. But, you know, I'm open to the idea. Yeah. Let me talk about a couple other linemen if you you don't have anybody else. Yeah, I'm I'm all out. (laughs) Okay, so the guy who did come in and play a little bit decently uh, at tackle was Schofield. And he's a guy who's been around a league for a while. Uh, he was the best Ravens tackle on a really bad night. And so it'll be interesting to see, is this a guy they try and start at left tackle? The reason being, if Stanley doesn't play next week, you don't really have anybody else you want to put there. And you really don't want to put Phillips there because you want him play, spending time at left guard and right tackle. Um, but, but I think that would make a lot more sense is to just go ahead and start Schofield in the next game. See if it works out. Might not. Um, I don't think you're risking a whole lot. And you, and you might actually find out whether or not you have a potential left tackle um, fourth guy or third guy on the team um, that, that you'd be OK with. Uh, and Schofield could actually, you know, if, if Schofield played decently at left tackle, he could be a guy for as a one-for-one one replacement with Stanley on the left side if he were really okay. Uh, whereas Phillips is for sure he'd go in on the right side and Villanueva would be moving. So you could, you could do it with one change instead of with two if there were an injury during the year. But anyway, I thought Schofield was, was decent. It's not like there's no notes on him, but it's like Bredesen where it's just a couple. And, you know, the system has to be forgiving to a couple of pressures uh, if, if you otherwise stay out of trouble.
4: So if you're the Ravens, I mean, things are different with the three preseason, uh, three games in the preseason. Um, I I imagine they might want to give Villanueva, um, you know, another series again, just again to get him Mm -hmm. to the right tackle. So maybe Schofield, Villanueva for a a series and then bring in Phillips.
3: I, I would I would let Schofield play a half at left tackle to start the game. And then I'd have Villanueva for a series at right tackle and and then move to um, Phillips.
4: Phillips, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah that's what i saying. And maybe maybe it's three series for Villanueva, and that's fine. And, and then Phillips, but Phillips can start the game at left guard if Cleveland is still not ready to go next week. Uh, Cleveland will have to get a start in in the in the in one of these next two games. Cleveland has to start at left guard, I believe, um, in order to get a good reading on the on the best level of competition against him and see if they uh, if other teams will scheme to try and get by him. By yeah, the way, one Cle- other thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: I was going to say, if Cleveland's back, like Carbaugh said, hopefully by Wednesday, that should be enough time to let him play on uh, on the next game. I guess so.
3: I mean, they've held out some people for longer than that, but I agree. This is a concussion. He's already been practicing. It's not like he's just coming back and is just working up through individual drills. Like, Justin Houston didn't play, even though he's done some 11-on-11 work already, just because they're really not taking any chances and moving him in really slowly. So hopefully that wouldn't be the case with Cleveland if he comes back. A uh, couple Real other quick, players. I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Real quick in the yeah. mailbag, while we're, while we're on the offensive line, how worried are you about depth as you're digging into some of these other people?
3: Uh, there, there's no exciting depth on the roster. Right.
2: So is uh, that a major concern going into this season? Yeah.
3: Uh, um, you know, it's one of these things where they have a bunch of C options to choose from, and some of them have upside. You know, Powers is a third-year player. He could still develop into something that's pretty good. And Cologne is a guy that they think could play center or guard, so that's not a bad option. And, you know, if you had to pick another guy, Mance has been in the league for a number of years, and his career has kind of been a ski slope in terms of what he's done. A little Michael Orish in that, in that regard has been heading downhill for years. But Mance was once a pretty decent Interior offensive lineman and could be a guy that that could step up. Uh, you know, Bredesen. You know, he's he was a rookie last year. Could could he still see some improvement? Sure. Uh, but yes, that all that said, I'm very concerned about depth, and I'm most concerned about depth at tackle.
4: I was going to say the same thing. I, I I saw that question on Twitter before we came on. He asked for like a scale of one to ten. If if the Ravens needed. To replace one person on the inside, I'd feel okay. I feel like we can we can weather the storm. If the Ravens lose Stanley for whatever reason, um, I totally can see a repeat of the Buffalo game. Yeah, the Buffalo game was lost because of offensive line play um part i mean part of it's on on lamar i mean he had that pick six but it's also he didn't even have a chance to come back because of the concussion and all of that and so the offensive line play is what if anybody wants a thread in what's happening in offensive or in the playoff games at least outside of that titans one where they gave up a million yards to to derrick henry um it's offensive line play and if stanley goes down again It could very well be a repeated story in the playoffs again. So I, to me, unless they get, unless Schofield or a trade or something comes up, if he goes down, I don't see how the Ravens can go any deeper in the playoffs. So in that sense, I'm very concerned because the goal is not to just go out in the divisional round or even the AFC championship again. Um, but, But on the inside, I think they could weather the storm with one injury. I don't, two, I'm getting very nervous.
3: Well, it's it's interesting because the Ravens' three best offensive linemen, I could argue, certainly their two best, are not available right now. So Stanley hasn't been playing, Zeitler hasn't been playing, Mm -hmm. and right there, that's their two best guys. I would argue probably of all, having seen all the others play that Ben Cleveland is probably their third best offensive lineman and he's not out there. And then maybe Bozeman is number four. And I think Bozeman, when you put him between two good guards is going to be a really good football player. I think he'll do all the things in terms of the power run game. The Ravens want him to do. Uh, He was a great puller. I think he can hold the back end of double teams and pull as the Ravens need him to this year. Um, Villanueva is a, uh, A two year stopgap at right tackle, who I hope is good enough, but he's also providing that insurance at left tackle. My problem with a Stanley injury would be it will ripple through the entire line because of the multiple changes needed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Two other guys got a little bit of playing time Foster, Serrell got two series of tackle, Uh, Ely got two series of tackle. No notes on either player. That's a good thing. You know that there there were not, but of course one of those was a kneel down drive, and the other one was a was a drive where the Ravens couldn't get a first down, although they they, they tried. So not right. that exciting that 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 happened. Anyway, why don't we move on from the offensive line,
4: <laughs> to yeah. that
3: miserable showing, and we'll we'll talk about the tight ends.
4: Uh, yeah. So so for me again, the tight ends somewhat fit into like this wide receiver category that I couldn't. Um, analyze them as much from a pass catching standpoint which is one thing i I mean a big thing i was interested in um i really wanted to see oliver and as you we've noted there were a ton of bootlegs so they got the bootleg down (laughs) you know we know oliver can do that Uh, um oliver again i just couldn't i couldn't see much i was i saw enough to be um to say that I think he will be the third tight end. I I think he will, assuming that, and I can't assume this, who knows what's gonna happen with Boyle, um, but if Boyle is healthy, And Andrew's in there. I like Oliver as the third tight end. I think the Ravens have enough. Uh, Tomlinson is obviously the better blocker. Mm -hmm. I saw in your note that you thought Oliver was pretty good as a blocker. I came away feeling a little bit different. Not that he was terrible, but obviously that he wasn't like a Tomlinson blocker um, or or, or on that level or a Boyle blocker, um, but probably can hold his own. Um, And so I think the Ravens have enough with Ricard and if Boyle's back and who knows what you're gonna do with Mason, but Mason, I thought the few times, I, I thought he was a very good blocker in what I saw um, in this preseason game. So uh, so for me, I wanna see more of Oliver, but I have saw enough there that I was like, I like this because they, they didn't even really try to replace Hurst when they lost him. And while he's no Hurst, I think this is like at least trying to replace it and gives the Ravens that kind of element as another pass catching tight end.
3: All right, so I was a couple a of yeah, yeah. things to unpack. Let's talk about him as a blocker first. I, I yeah, I was a little more positive. I did have him for three positive run blocking notes, including some big plays uh, that got the Ravens some key first downs. The third and three, he had a, he had a hand in the block. On that, my problem was more as a receiver that he didn't really do very much. And and here's the problem: they were, they threw six the past they threw the ball to him six times, four of those were on boots where he's the level one read. So all he's doing is basically trailing the quarterback closest to the quarterback. That edge defender isn't fooled, which means he's in the quarterback's face, and the quarterback says, "Oh crap, I have to unload the ball," and he does to Oliver on the first level, and then Oliver was getting killed, and so it, 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 he he got twenty. Two yards of, of receptions on six throws, which obviously isn't going to work. That's, what, 3.6 per throw. But it, the, what was worse than that was that he had, his average depth of target was only a little bit past the line of scrimmage. I want to say it was eight-tenths of a yard or something. But he, but he, had, he, he had 22 yards after the catch. Oh, sorry, 23 yards after the catch, I think it was, and 22 yards. So his average, ca- his average distance on on his catches was actually behind the line of scrimmage.
4: Right, and so that though I don't know, and this is the trouble with this trying to analyzing it from this game. Again, you put them in that receiver category that it's hard to really even judge it because the passing game was mostly non-existent for most of the night unless you were doing it scrambling on the run Um, and then a couple of short passes. And so it's hard for me to say that that's Oliver or was that the passing game?
3: Right, I mean, I mean that's fair, and mm-hmm. and you know I, I, he didn't he definitely didn't get a chance to run any long routes, but he did have a five yard pass thrown to him on about a third and three third and four play. I forget what it was, but it was going to be the first down mm-hmm. if he had caught the ball, and he bobbled it. Looked like he was trying to recatch it again, and then he got destroyed, and and the ball. I, I thought ball that dropped. pass was
4: and unless we're talking about different one. It was different, behind different him. One, it was yeah. behind him. He had yeah. to like totally turn around and try to get it. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't put that one on him. On him was that Huntley or McSorley that threw that? Thought
3: uh, it was Huntley. Let's see if I can find that. You, I think you're right. I think it was yeah. in the second half.
4: Yeah.
3: I'm sorry. But, but right again,
4: you've seen Oliver Moore in training camp, so you have a better idea of what he can do as a pass catcher.
3: Uh, really, I don't. And, and this is a point I keep making to people is that is that I don't know what Prochet can really do as a pass catcher because he's basically been allowed to, to play these passing bucket drills and easy crossing drills, which are almost like seven on seven, even when they're playing with 11. Because the quarterback, whether he or not he's bothered, he's never hit, so he knows he can take a, a, a clean throw. In terms of him catching the ball over the shoulder, the defensive backs are told not to not to attack the. Um, the wide receivers in these drills so there's no there's not that physical nature to the receiving game that is what's going to be what gives a receiver like Prochet who depends on his hands and not as much on separation to, to be a valuable guy so I really don't know and, and I don't know for Oliver either Oliver's a big bodied guy he could really body up the two guys who've been impressive in camp for me in terms of bodying the ball have been Poljan and Wolf and Wolf just got cut today so, <laughs>
4: <Right>. <laughs> you
3: know, so we're down to Poljan
4: yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just don't question marks for me. Lots of question marks here. Uh, I, need two, I need two more preseason games.
3: <laughs> that's fair enough. You, you, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's re-extend that preseason. <laughs> yeah, I can just tell you as a season ticket, well, that's one thing I'm happy to have is one less preseason. Oh, game at home. 100 yeah. percent. It's a, you know, I will say this. It's a very fun crowd. On a, in, in the preseason I'm still more worried because there's more of a more of a general drunkenness to the crowd and definitely <laughs> a loudness to the crowd that makes me concerned about about you know we, we just are coming off a pandemic and it's it's the first place that I've been in a crowd and having a you know a loud crowd that's, that's it's like it just just concerns me mildly that that, uh, something like that. I, I'm sure third downs it's going to feel that way again once the regular season starts though too all right, I, Thomas, would, that I, would, I wouldn't yeah.
4: take my my kids to that I'll tell you that much it is a lot of a lot of drunkenness Yeah. Um. Yeah, oh, that's all I have to add to that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right. Uh, you mentioned Tomlinson. I, I think he is the best blocker they have. I think he's, his his path to the roster is is most likely if, if Boyle can't start the season, which it, it appears that that's probably going to be the case. He's probably going to have to wait a few weeks to come back, and they're going to need a blocker, and Tomlinson is the obvious guy. But he didn't look that good as a blocker, I didn't think, in this game.
4: I, I, I agree. I, see, I, I thought I, – I'm trying to see where my – I had a couple of reds on him for blocking actually. No, but there were some also some solid blocking, so I don't want to say it was all all bad, but there were a couple of times that I was like, He didn't he didn't open up anything there. Okay. <laughs> he didn't I've got, do anything.
3: I've got a big one for you is Q 3 three eleven oh one. He got bowled by forty six. I'm not sure forty six is probably a linebacker here, um, to disrupt Bredesen's pull. And that's really unusual, yes! but when it happens, it's terrible. And that 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 run went for minus two.
4: That's it, um, that's that's my note. I have that too. I I have it right here. Um, Thomason got pushed back, which didn't allow Bredesen to pull.
3: There you go. <laughs> that was so, it. this is great. No, we we did the Tennessee game where we did like play by play through, but I do I want to do that with you on your next in season defensive show. Sarah is just the, let's go through because the way you take notes, I, I I really like it. I know you'll take notes on every play if we know what's happening in advance, and we could just go through play by play and do that. People love that episode, by the way. So. Oh, good. Something to, something to try again. Do you want to move on to wide receiver?
4: Sure, but again, I don't have much cause there
3: was <laughs> I have some <laughs> names here. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I have,
4: <laughs> I have bigger picture thoughts, but very little from the game.
3: Sure, that's. Well, I mean, there is
4: a mailbag question on it, isn't there? I felt go. like there, there was one. There is. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. probably like four actually. Yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah. Wide receiver. Yeah.
3: Well,
2: the big one, if you want to start, is who do you feel comfortable on the outside? of this wide receiver class.
3: Okay. So what he, what I think that question had, if, the, if Bateman and Watkins who are outside receivers can't right. go, who, who would I like next? Correct. I'll I, I give you my answer. Cause it's a contrarian's view and you maybe have a different one. My guy would be Boykin. That, that I would just, I, I would be, he would be the guy. Now, he's hurt also, so who knows if he's going to be ready to start the season. I don't know if he's in the Ravens' plans at this point, but as far as being a big X receiver who can who can do some positive things, I think he's that guy, and he certainly helps your run game to be out there.
4: I also remember the question because it had, th- they had three options. One was Prochet, DuVernay, and Moore, I believe. Yeah. Now, out of those three, I'd, Probably do more, but I don't know if more is going to make the team. Right. Um, so, but some, but my first thought was the same as yours, uh, was Boykin, and and the other thought is I would like to see Tylen Wallace because he's uh, showed that in college where he could do it, where he could play on the outside, and that one, that one throw where Huntley was scrambling. And he threw to Wallace on the run to the sideline. Mm-hmm. First of all, I thought both of them, I mean, it was so close. It was such a hard pass because it's on the run. But Wallace, man, he had those toes. It was so close. I mean, if it were like a half an inch more inside, they may have been able to convert that, which would have been an amazing play. Did you want to say something on that?
3: Yeah, I, I just, I, I agree completely. And and I thought so much of Wallace for coming so close on that play. And I have to, I kept to try and, 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 uh, remind myself, and usually I have a visual memory about this, but I'm not remembering this. He was stretching out over the right sideline, right? The, yes. Oh, yeah, over yes. the right sideline. So it was, the ball was thrown to the right. Okay. So here's the thing. Wallace in college ran almost every route right up that right sideline. So he had basically a go route and a stop and and, and and curl route. And that's pretty much it. If you look at the heat map of where he caught the ball, it's all right on that, you know, what I would call the five area outside the numbers on the right, on the mm. by the right sideline. You know, where the X receiver would likely line up is on the left side for the Ravens and be that, that guy who's single-covered on that side. And, and uh, that's he has the physicality, I think, for the position. I'm just not sure it's his favored catching shoulder. But now I think about that play... And the fact that he leaned out of bounds in that direction, it will often be in that direction that he would catch the football on that side of the field, particularly on the, on a lot of the plays which generate yak. He'd be turning to the inside of the field rather than the outside. So maybe it could work. I I'm, I I just I really haven't been watching carefully enough to see is is Wallace breaking the tendencies at camp that we saw in college from him. So I've really got to got to take a better look at that tomorrow. Let's by the way, last day of camp already. Tomorrow more. It's hard to believe.
4: It is hard to believe it it flew by. Uh, Just to to say, though, I do think um, you know, I I wonder if part of the reason why this question came up is because today Sammy Watkins left practice early, but Harbaugh said it's not serious. Um, (laughs) Many people do not believe Harbaugh anymore. I do want to stick up a little bit for Harbaugh. Everybody knows that I'm a Harbaugh person. Just in terms of injuries, he's There's two things with him. Number one, if he's gonna say anything at all, and most times he doesn't find it advantageous, which I agree, okay? And by the way, media members agree. Media members only ask the question because it's their job, but they don't get angry that Harbaugh doesn't answer it. Like, no no media members, you know, expect him to give away game information, okay? And by the way, it does hurt the other team to make them plan for more than one player. These yep. coaches know it because they've been on the other end of it many times. They know what they're doing, and, and it's it's part of strategy. So when he decides that he's going to, It won't hurt him in a game. And he's gonna give you information. All he's doing is repeating what trainers are telling him. Mm -hmm. It's not like Harbaugh's like, oh, I'm going to tell him it's not serious just to say it's not serious. He doesn't know. He's not the one in the training room looking at ankles and looking at knees and doing the x-rays, this and that. He's meeting with the, the, the head team trainer and maybe a little bit with the player. And maybe the player's like, yeah, I'm good. So he has to throw out what they're going to say. He has to go to the trainer. Sometimes the trainers get it wrong. Sometimes an MRI doesn't reveal or... An X-ray doesn't reveal everything, or who you know, or even surgeons. My husband's a surgeon. You could do all this advanced, you know, imaging, and then you get in there, and it's like, oh, this is what what it is. Okay, <laughs> so it, I mean, it happens all the time. So it's hilarious to me that some that somehow. Fans make him out to be a bad guy, like as if he's like try, he's he's just telling you what trainers told him, and if it changes or if there's a setback, like that's what happens. And and it's my hi- hypothesis um, that. Part of the reason why he even wants to say things left less is because of Perriman. People got so mad at him as if it's his fault that like he was told it was serious and then, you know, like it became or anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but yes, I just I needed to like I do go off because it's like he's just telling you what the trainers know at that moment. If you if you prefer, he doesn't have to tell you anything until he knows, 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 knows. Sorry, go ahead.
3: No, I just I, the, the the point I want to make about this is that there's no reason at all for John Harbaugh to tell anybody. This. The truth about injuries there's no reason no. at all for him to do it and, and honestly I don't have a problem at all if he just wants to say every injury is not serious I don't believe it and I don't believe any of his injury talk already in fact I don't believe a lot of his coach speak about individual players when he right. talks about it but that's fine because that's his job and, right and, you know it doesn't mean anything about about I, John Harbaugh the coach he's fantastic anybody, <laughs> anybody who doesn't think so is you know really fooling themselves in terms of who they think the Ravens could otherwise have but uh, uh, you know it, it, he's he communicates in a way that is appropriate with the media in terms of not giving things away. And I, the Ravens organization, I think, is very well known for keeping a tight lid on information generally and for dealing pretty harshly with people that they think have loose lips.
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We would. I remember when I first got there as an intern, and uh, in, I was in PR. And they, I mean, the first day of the speech is like, if we find out that you're the reason that there's a leak. Goodbye. You know, we can find millions of other interns. You know, they they definitely do not like leaks. So, um, anyway, I don't know. Oh, this was my whole point. I got off total tangent. It was bringing you back to. I wonder if the person had asked the question about Watkins. Um, my feeling is, is I mean, who knows when Bateman's going to be back? I mean, I think it's as early as week four. I think as late as, as the pre- as as after the buy. But as yeah. long, I, 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 what I'm saying is, is I'm I'm. I'm hopeful that we'll never get to that. I'm hopeful that we'll never get past the Watkins and Prochet options and we got to go to somebody else. But who knows? The wide receiver position has been hit hard.
3: Right it, Right now, uh, I've made the point that I think Tylan Wallace is a favorite to have more receiving yards this year than Rashad Bateman. And if I had to put an over-under right now on Bateman, I think I'd put it around 250 yards. You know, he's, he's, he's going to play probably half a season. Uh, he may have a slow ramp-up period when he comes back, but I expect him back about November 1st at the earliest. Not, not, not really much earlier than that. Uh, it could be later than that. Uh, and, and if things are going well, there would be reasons for it to be later than that because his spot effectively creates on IR, once they get him there because they have to keep him on the roster at the end of the year, his spot on IR actually creates a spot for somebody else. So if you, don't, if you can't have 100% Rashad Bateman, why would you want him on the on the roster at all? So you you you, you keep him on IR uh, uh, as long as you can. Once he's there, would be my thought.
4: I'm mulling over your 250 yards prediction. You want the over/under
3: on it? I know you're not much of a gambling woman here, but I'd I'd love to bet you just about anything on that.
4: Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't mind doing a friendly a friendly bet. I don't. Yeah. Um, I'm taking the over on 250.
3: You're taking the over on 250. Yeah. Well, people will like you more for that answer. Uh, I'd probably be happy with the under on 250 at this point. Oh. No. Uh, we can bet dinner if you want on that sometime when you're in Baltimore.
4: Is that, that too much? That would be that would be wonderful. No, all that's right. perfect. Yes. All right, let's I need to meet Ma- I need to meet Maureen, and we got to sit down and eat dinner. That would be you great. Know,
3: that'd be that'd be <laughs> all kinds of fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about the other receivers. I thought a guy who, who made himself a, a, you know, a, some, a move in this game uh, was Jalen Moore. Uh, he, he had uh, two good catches, one where he found space on the left sideline for a nice catch. Uh, about 17 yards, if I recall correctly, and then he was the guy who caught the ball. Six seconds left on the clock, with the friendliest timing of all for the home team, uh, catches the ball off the middle, goes down. The Ravens call timeout to get the field goal at the half. By the way, you, we can look at a lot of things that won this game for the Ravens: defensive depth and whatnot. You can't forget the kickers. The kickers went three for three from oh, 40, yeah. 42, 52, 53. I think were the three kicks. Uh, that's pretty damn good.
4: I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for my fifth round uh, draft pick.
3: For, there you go. For, for, uh, <laughs> Verity. Why am I forgetting?
4: Verity. There we go. Yeah. Verity. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he's looked real good in camp, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if he kicks a couple more 50s in this next game or, or over the course of the next two weeks, if the Ravens can actually get a draft pick for him, and it'd be fun to, to do that. Or maybe another team that has a talent surplus where the Ravens need it, specifically at, at offensive tackle, uh, says, oh, we got one too many tackles, and they got the kicker we need. You know, <laughs> it, it takes a special amount of luck for that to align, but it, it, right. it can happen.
4: Right, because there's such a surplus of tackles, yes. offensive tackles yes. out there. There you go. Right.
3: You know what team has a, additional offensive tackle depth is the Cleveland Browns. And boy, they're not going to trade anything to no, us. No,
4: why but, would they?
3: But, but they might have to release a player and the Ravens might pick them up. And that could, that could really be uh, that could be fun.
4: Crossing my fingers.
3: All right, so good, good day for Moore. He, he also, they threw the bomb down the left sideline that was just over his head. Um, that's another case. That was, by the way, very much a, a, a training camp drop-in-the-bucket throw. It was, it, was, it was fairly well-timed. Uh, from McSorley, it didn't. It, it was just overthrown, but then the, the defender was too close. Debo it was Paulson. Adebo is actually a pretty good defensive back. Um, it, it, in order for for more to get the separation he needed to to make it an easier throw. For McSorley, but uh, you know, by and large, a good day. I thought for Moore, I thought he, he he showed some things, and I think he's probably on the Ravens practice squad and could be a guy they rely on if they have some injuries. But uh, and I don't see there being an option to keep him on the initial roster.
4: Yeah, I agree. I think there's too many people that like Bateman that needs to be on the initial roster and then mm-hmm. uh, gets cut, and even then, I don't know that Moore would make it. But I was very impressed with Moore. I thought he stood out to me. Um, the DuVernay, I mean, he had more targets. He had six targets, four catches, twenty two yards. Um So again, I mean pretty good night. I thought Prochet was, was open quite a bit, not a lot of you know, opportunities. Um Yeah,
3: it and wasn't and it that, wasn't an impressive targets per snap game for Prochet. Definitely two targets, one catch, and what he played over forty snaps. And that's that's a lot of thirty seven.
2: And that brings up Raven Burner's uh, question, who's wondering if the wide receivers, if you were able to see them get off too much, or were the plays falling apart and so quickly that you weren't really able to see if the wide receivers could get open?
3: I'll answer on one level. The, the, the time to pressure was as brutal as I've ever seen it. It was a lot of under two and a half second pressures. Not that there weren't also more such pressures between two and a half and three seconds, which are the incremental pressures, by the way, that's why I say this, uh, between me over PFF. But there were tons of pressures within two and a half seconds. And that, that was very bothersome.
4: So the latter. It was the latter. <laughs> yeah, it right, was the latter. But I will say, I if you haven't listened to it already, listen to um, Prochet's presser today. What a breath of fresh air. This, I just, there's just something about, I don't care if it's football, whatever it is. It's just so refreshing to be around people that love what they're doing, Mm -hmm. that feel joy, that feel blessed, that feel, um, that don't feel entitled. And and he's just a guy, he was asked like, hey, you only had, I think he had three targets or two targets last year, one catch. They're like, how did that feel? And he's like, listen, man, all I can do is trust the journey. And he's like, you know, he goes, I had to sit out when I was, uh, you know, in college until I got my turn. He's like, all I could do. And he's just like, I just want to work. I work, 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 work. And he's like, I love this lifestyle of football. And he's like, I'm not talking about being in the spotlight. He's like, I'm not talking about the money. I'm not talking about the girls. I'm talking about, I love to grind. I like this process of becoming better. And I'm just like, That just makes me like whatever you're doing in life, Embrace getting better at who you are and what you do. Like that was just for me, another reminder. I just, whatever I'm doing, I want to be better as a mom. I want to be better at film study. I want whatever I'm doing in that moment, I want to be better at it. And that just like was so inspiring to me. And it makes me want him to succeed. I can't see it yet. Cause I didn't see him last year. There was no off season. He didn't get any targets. I haven't seen him at training camp. I didn't hardly get to see him last night, but if there's anybody I'm rooting for, it is James Prochet especially after his pressure today. Go back and watch it. It was so good. So yeah, good. V-
3: very genuine. and Very I, genuine. Y- you, have, you have a great bullshit meter when it comes to try, trying to read players and whatnot and, and seeing them do it. And you will hear that from a lot of players. You'll hear that, yeah, I just got to trust God, trust the process. I mean, and you know a lot of them, well, their mom believes in God, but <laughs> but I don't know about that. And, and, and yeah. I, you know, there's other players, they'll tell you it's all about my teammates and it's all about, you know, being here in camp and I love God. And what they really care about is their their new motorcycle and, you know, it, right. whatnot. But, but there are, uh, you know, there are some genuine people there and I think you see a, a fair amount of it from young players, and then you see a lot of it in really older players who know they're at the end of the line enjoying their last camp and they still love it, like Levine is doing right now mm, and like yeah. Suggs was a couple of years ago. Um, I, I don't think you always see it. Uh, uh you know from from every veteran player, particularly those guys who know that the financials the financial system in the game is kind of uh, stacked against them that, that it's gonna mm-hmm. be difficult for them to get that second contract and you know they're maybe in year three or year four they can see the end of the road coming early and I just I, that's where it's more likely to, to get that entitlement comes in mm-hmm. that makes people I think unhappy when the m- money is weighing heaviest on them uh, most right. Heavy
4: right 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 you know I agree and it was uh, like it's one thing that's why like when I was tweeting I was tweeting his quotes it's like you said there are some guys that can say the exact same thing and you tweet it out and it seems like they're both saying the same thing but when you listen to them it's just like it's it's a different level it's very genuine yeah
3: uh, Wallace, another guy. I, you know, I was I was happy he got as many snaps as he did, but he got. I think he got two targets during the game, and Wallace led the wide receivers in snaps with forty six. Uh, that's not even though he had that nice lean out. Um, I, I, the all twenty two not being available is just a complete. Uh, slap in the face to analysts everywhere uh, right now. So we, we're not able to see, you know, the, that top view which would give us depth of route and all the information we want to properly judge what's going on in the passing game. But the fact that Wallace only had two targets uh, is not a good thing uh, for a game like this. Even even if the offensive line, you know, had some problems.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody got a lot of targets. The highest targeted receiver was Ty- Tyson Williams. So right. <laughs> with
3: five, so yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk uh, running back. Uh, since we're on it, uh, you want to start with Tyson?
4: I I do. So uh, here's just to give you some background. So I, obviously he's a BYU guy. I'm a BYU alumnus, and so when I was watching him last night, I purposely didn't let myself tweet the following because I was like, I might be biased, so I want to wait till film study. But I wanted to say that there's a legit um competition at number three running back um with hill and i was like all right let me wait i'm gonna study these guys anyway and after watching the film and trying to take out my bias i think there's a legit competition for for the third running back i mean uh, okay so you know that you heard my red and blue system uh Huntley and Williams by far had the most blues. Mm-hmm. By far had the most blues. So, so what I liked about Williams, and again, it is against lesser competition, so you know you wanna you wanna throw that disclaimer out there. However, there were plenty of times. Uh, I'm seeing third and one, 807. I think this is Q1. He is completely hit in the back in the backfield. And it was Phillips guy. It was Phillips who let his left left tackle get him. He jumps on his back, and Williams just gives him a piggyback ride. It could have been a, a negative two two yards. He gets he gets only two yards, but I mean he was just churning and churning and got the first yeah. the first down. Yeah, um, it was
3: a total individual effort, and, and he was dragging defenders. That wasn't the only time. I have one other instance of that.
4: Right, right. Then on top of dragging people, he had times, let me see. So he, he showed that he could, pa- he could catch out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. He got this, um, let's see, he gets one from McSorley and he turns up field and immediately there's a tackler there and he sidesteps the tackler and gets up yard, up, up for another two yards when it could have been for a loss because he caught the ball uh, two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, sidestepped another tackler here. I got, and he, he got a pass for 13 yards and it was all him. Um, some great cutbacks I saw where he had nowhere to go. Got it, He saw a hole somewhere else and he cut back and then uh, I think he got seven yards on this cutback I'm seeing um, with 33 33- seconds seconds. And then on the two-point conversion, I thought the line actually did decent there. It wasn't great. They got a little bit of push, but even with that, I still felt, felt like he was churning through defenders to, yes. to get that two-point two conversion. I thought he had an excellent game showing that he can make something out of nothing. He can keep churning when, when he's got people in front of him, on top of him, whatever. He can catch out of the backfield, and then he can score in that two-point conversion. I thought he was very good in some background on him. He transferred a lot in, tr- in in college and then when he made it to BYU he was named the starter he was expected to have a huge a huge season he tore his ACL week three uh, in his first game, he averaged six point six point something yards per carry. So he's kind of one of those guys because he's an undrafted guy. He finished with an ACL tear, and that maybe that's why he didn't come out with much fanfare, didn't get much of a chance, but he could be one of those guys that's a diamond in the rough because of injuries and transferring and all that kind of stuff that may come out of nowhere. I can see him being that number three back. I think, I think he had a great game, and I think he'll do not.
3: Well, I, I think that's I, I. completely agree with what you're saying here. Uh, the, the the two carrying defenders plays ran effectively, caught the ball effectively. Cut, you captured it all. Show good bounce to the outside. I thought too. Mm. So it's not, he's not just a power back. Uh, he can be a stylistic fit for what some of what Gus Edwards does. But he but his he, his game is more than that. He's he's got more speed than just that. I also think he gives you a little bit better presence in the background as a blocker, certainly than Hill, who had all kinds of problems with that but um, I don't I would go further than you in terms of is there a competition by the way J, do we have that question come up in the mailbag Josh
2: well the, the big question I saw in the mailbag is uh, how many running backs is there a chance they only go with two this year which would make the competition even tighter.
3: Yeah. I, th- I think it'll still be three. I think it'll, it'll be um, the obvious two with, with Dobbins and Edwards. And I think Williams will be the third. Um, the, here's the big thing, Sarah, is that is that he's a third hill is a third year player. And Williams is a first year player. And even though Williams have turned 25 in the opener, w- which, which gives you some declining value there, potentially. Um, I, I think that, that the other thing is he's got almost no treadwear on him. And you mentioned this in terms of his college and his transferring and whatnot. He just, he has not had that many total carries lifetime that mm. you have to be worried about about who he is physically. And by the way, looks completely the part right now. If he's healthy right now, if he's not healthy right now, boy, he's looking good. Right. Um, I want to I shift over to Hill because I think that's part of the other part of the story. Because certainly big step forward from Tyson Williams, maybe even a bigger step backwards from uh, Hill, from Justice Hill in this game. Ran the ball poorly five times for eight yards. A lot of that I can blame on the offensive line, so I'm not going to completely blame it on him, but it wasn't a good effort no matter what. Um, the one pass he was thrown, it went directly up in the air like he had said it like a volleyball player. Uh, it was just—it was not a pretty. Oh firm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could have been intercepted, but there was there didn't happen anybody around. And then he recovered the ball and he ran for four yards, I think, on the play. So it, it ended up being a plus four play, but that's not a good look. That's you—you you want you want running backs who catch the ball on their first effort. You don't want them even to be double catchers that bobble the ball a little bit. You want them to catch the ball squarely with two hands uh, on the on the little throw. I didn't like that about Hill. And then he had two disastrous blocks in in Disaster. past Disaster.
4: Yes. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. I'm just. No. I'm like, just if, if you want to talk about
3: those, you've probably got them read, and I'll. i will well, uh, have I'm, to search I'm, through them.
4: I know. I'm looking them up too. I'm trying to remember which Q2, one.
3: Q2 10:32. He missed his block on third and seven, uh, and that led to a hard QH by 42, and then uh, Q1 one minute. Uh, Zach Bond, who was the darling of the draft last year, an outside linebacker, a lot of people wanted the Ravens to take, ended up going to the Saints pretty late. Uh, he beat him for a pressure uh, and a pass. Uh, sorry, a pressure. Uh, so not a not a good couple of blocks from from Justice Hill. In fact, it was he really went zero for two on his pass blocks. Uh, he's he has to do the other things perfectly, and I mean play special teams. And uh, run the football extremely well. If he's going to get away with being a bad pass blocker and a bad receiver out of the backfield, which it seems like we're we are right now uh, with Hill as a player,
4: I can't I can't find my note on it. It's it's uh, there's I just have a mental image of him. I feel like there was twice, one time where like he tried to block and just it was just like he got ran through like it was mm-hmm. a piece of paper and another time he just whiffed like he just didn't 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 do it um just whiffed, whiffed the block so yeah the blocking was was not good and and yeah, he didn't stick out to me as a runner. And and again, I was thinking like, well, maybe maybe Hill had a tougher time, maybe the offensive line was, was worse than for Williams. No, Williams was doing it, was making something out of nothing, and Hill was not doing that. And and as you said, the bobble pass, I mean, it was just on all three of those levels, Williams was was superior.
3: Right. I, I I would have even said probably at the beginning of this camp that I would put them more or less even in terms of their starting position of who's likely to make the team. Hill had been such an effective gunner last year that maybe he stays because of some special teams plays. But I'll tell you what, the Ravens cannot afford to have a bunch of specialized special teams player. And in particular, that third running back can't be just a special teams player. He needs to take up. A significant number of carries. He needs to take up the carry load when the Ravens have some games won, for starters.
4: This is a team that's going to rush, not just more than anybody else, but by far than anybody else. So yes, they need three running backs who can who can contribute. Uh, I didn't watch any of the special teams plays over again. Is Will is Williams in on special teams?
3: Uh, he, he must be, I I don't honestly know what he plays exactly, whether he's, whether he's in some form of kick coverage or he's in, uh, uh, yeah, but either, it'd be either punt or possibly kickoff return team that he would be on. Okay. So uh, something to watch. Yeah, he's uh, the other guy who got a little bit of time, Nate McCrary. He he did show a little bit as a runner. I think he went six for 30, six for 31, six for 32, something like that. Or maybe it was five for that at about six yards of carry. Um, He also didn't show up as a pass blocker, and that's been a real big problem in camp. Uh, They had one drill. That I loved being being there for to to be sure I saw it. It's an inside linebacker versus running back drill, and it's not going on in a way that that's being highlighted or anything, but it's like the Oklahoma drill of. Running backs versus inside linebackers. You know the Oklahoma drill is running backs usually versus linemen, where they just try have to try and get by a lineman. They both have to get up at the same time. Well, this is a this is a really big deal, and the reason you know it's a big deal is it's very physical. It's in the first or second day of pads. They run at each other. Uh, you, you know they they're trying to get by the other guy to get to the quarterback, and and you know obviously the running backs try to try to make that block, um, and then they have a hockey lineup at the end to shake hands to get it back to. Hey, we're all on the same side again, you know. For, the, for these other drills, are happy. So it's it's very physical, very intense drill. Yeah. And uh, McCrary did not show up for that. He, he he has he's he plays smaller than he is. He's about six feet two thirteen, but he mm. plays smaller than that as as a blocker. So uh, uh, I, I I don't see him making the team. Maybe he's a guy that 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 is on the practice squad and and he can be brought up.
4: I had felt maybe you can tell me on this. I had felt McCrary on some of his. Bigger runs, he had um, benefited that they were like more read options. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you know Hill with Mc, with McSorley, they weren't doing any of that. When Huntley came in, they were doing that, and so they were making um, linemen and and you know all, defensive linemen kind of guess have to wait a little bit more, like keep them in their tracks a little bit more, wondering if it was going to be Huntley or him. And I felt like uh, McCarry had benefited a little bit from that, and so did actually Williams on a couple. So.
3: I I completely agree is that that, um, Huntley is a stylistic fit for Lamar. And sorely, despite the fact that he is also a running quarterback, you know, a quote unquote dual threat quarterback, he's not a stylistic fit at all. He doesn't bring the same danger to that offense. So I I would agree that the other running backs, you know, are benefiting from Huntley being Lamar-esque. In terms of that, Huntley also has a massive arm, Uh, better than Lamar's in in terms of how far he can throw the ball. That's for sure, and and a lot better than McSorley in terms of uh, we saw we saw a fair amount of it in training camp uh, so far. He had a prodigious moonshot of a like it's it it wasn't a moonshot because it was more like a cannon shot in terms of it being a flat trajectory that really stands out early in camp when they're throwing a lot of these lofty ball into the bucket drill type throws. His was like a cannon shot that went about 55 yards in the air and, uh, it would look very impressive. Yeah.
4: Very nice. Are we on to quarterbacks? Yeah, please. Well, uh, as we know, John Harbaugh announced that McSorley is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Um, sounds like he was moving a box prior to the game and that's what started his back spasms. He also got drilled pretty good uh, a couple of times, but, um, I had tweeted after the game that I felt like Huntley had outplayed McSorley, which, um, but after watching the film, so obviously though, again, everybody would point out, especially the McSorley um, fans, tons of people came back to me, it's not fair, it's not fair, he played against, you know, the harder defense. And again, that is true. So what I tried to do when I went back to look at this, I wanted to judge him based off of times where I felt like he had more time, um, and I thought when he had more time, he was a mixed bag. Like I felt like, um, I I felt like he had more time like on the interception, there was a little bit of pressure there, but I still feel like I I still put, you know, that interception on him. But, But you can't ignore, he had six drives. Four of those drives ended with 10 yards or fewer. So even though, just like with, with Tyson Williams and I felt like with Huntley too, even though they were in bad positions, they still got stuff done. And I felt like with McSorley, he didn't he didn't do that enough. Um, I felt like he played well in the situation of football uh, to end the half, I thought he played well in that where he scrambled a bit, he, he hit a couple passes. Um, so, so, uh, but, I, so even with the tougher defense, I mean, I do put that in there. And obviously this is all a boot point now, but he doesn't, they didn't run the same off- offense that they ran with Huntley, which is what you want with with Lamar. You want to be able to run the same offense. Um, and so that alone is reason to make Huntley your starter. Now you've got the injury, which is a reason to, to make Huntley your starter. But I also just felt like even when he had extra time, he didn't bring as much juice as Huntley did. He didn't create as much as Huntley did. Huntley was in trouble plenty of times. Yep but found ways to make things happen anyway. And McSorley didn't do that as much. And so even if McSorley were healthy, to me, Huntley had a very good game. A very good game, especially considering that he's undrafted and this is really his first game as as a preseason. I could dive more into Huntley, but I more went into McSorley there. But uh, I just felt like Huntley, hands down, was better.
3: Let me jump on McSorley a little bit here. And by the uh-huh. way, you can hear that's Sarah getting excited. We love Sarah's passion on the show. but She, <laughs> she hammers her desk every once in a while. <laughs> Just, sorry. We definitely know it's cool. You know, there's something something you from my college
4: days. You should see me days. at church. You should see me at church when I give <laughs> talk toxic church at the podium. <laughs>
3: let's get let's get some video. You know? <laughs> but, um, uh, I thought McSorley the, the offense really got going a little bit in that second quarter, kind of late in McSorley's uh, um, the time when they finally started to run a few no huddle plays, and that did finally slow down the Saints' pass rush. I wish they they'd worked on that earlier and said, "Hey, okay, we we got no offensive lines can work here. Let's run no huddle and let's see if we can do that." Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know for whatever reason they they decided not to. But when they ran no huddle, they moved the ball a little bit and 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 it worked out. Um, and he had a two ATS throws. One of them was that 17-yard pass to Moore on the left sideline. Mm-hmm. And the next one was a very next play when he went down into the end zone to Moore, and it was just overthrown. So he did have a couple opportunities um, yeah. that were uh, that were there. Huntley had Moore in the second half, and, and the defense was uh, uh, more keyed in on him in terms of not letting him escape the pocket and in terms of following him on run plays when, when that benefited other running backs, as you mentioned earlier.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and and so to dig deeper into Huntley, um, so he was, uh, do I have this backwards? I always do this. 12 of 16, so 75%, Mm -hmm. 79 yards, 85.2 QB rating, whereas, uh, Huntley had 49.8. Uh, Huntley did have the, um, fumble fumble he had the fumble which he could have covered with two hands I couldn't quite tell I wanted to get different angles to me he seemed close to being out of bounds I don't know if he could have made it out of bounds I don't know if Lamar could have made it out of bounds Um, that's that's what I would have preferred to have happen but uh, even on that that where he fumbled he was moving the ball and part of the time he had he had he had uh, more time than McSorley but other times it it was him scrambling but he had five total drives technically only because the last one they were just running out the clock. And his were drives of 37, 64, and 79. Then he's also like Lamar and that he was the leading rusher of the night, mm-hmm. which happens a lot with Lamar. So he had 43 yards and then the, and then the touchdown. So my favorite, though, and I'm going to start calling him baby Lamar because there were plenty of times where his he escaped complete, pocket collapses, completely collapsed. And then he he shot out, had a couple of gain, gains scrambling and, 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 you know, getting tons of rushing yards or like the one that we talked about, he threw on the run and threw to Wallace and didn't quite get it. But that t- that touchdown drive where he comes back from that fumble, he had plenty of good decisions, short passes on the money to move the chains, talked about the escapability, throwing on the run to hit Victor for 17 yes. yards. I thought that was He's running to the left. He's a right-handed. Do we see this with Lamar all the time? (laughs) He's running to the left. He's a right-handed thrower. He has to square his hips, gets that ball off. And at first, you're like, well, did he overthrow it? And then you look back. No, he was on the money to Victor. Um, And then, again, uh, sorry, go ahead.
3: I just want to make a point on that one in particular. Rod Woodson was right on that, on the thing. And it's something I always say. When you roll left as a right-handed quarterback, it's death, generally speaking. Usually, the, the pass rush schemes are even set up commonly. You'd like to get the quarterback from the blind side because you've got a better chance for a fumble. You'd like to get the pressure on the quarterback from the right side to try and get him flushed left because that's usually death to the quarterback in terms of being able to throw the ball. So it's, it's a... I, I, it's it's something that I love to see when the quarterback yeah. is flushed left and and, uh, and boy it, yeah, the Ra- the Ravens not only did they do that but they ran either two I think it was two of their boots they ran left which you're just d- deciding to do it and right. they still had one of them which went for decent yardage so uh, it was it was really good
4: it was really good so that was that was wonderful and then the uh, I think Nolan had named it he said the Reed O power.
3: It's, it's the it's the counter play where they have two guys pulling from left to right that they scored the touchdown on. Right, so right, So right, a- effectively, they they had a they had Tyson Williams, I think, was on the field for the play, and he was running basically what looked like jet motion left, where he he, he actually might have been a sidecar, but I thought he might have been in motion too, where he where he took went through the mesh point on the handoff. He didn't get the ball. Uh, You got then two two players, you know, coming around from the uh, countering from that left side, the left tackle and left guard. And that creates even a different lane for Huntley to take advantage of. And we, they run it a lot with Lamar. You yeah, see it, yeah. You see it a fair amount. And and uh, it's very effective. It is extremely effective. Nolan, I thought, did a pretty good job of explaining why it's difficult for the defense to stop it. I think there's even another point is that the defenses against the Ravens, they completely run themselves out of position against that play. We saw right. it for five weeks at the end of last year, a lot of teams still going to be seeing it this year for the first time. So I'm really excited about that.
4: Yeah, and just uh, listen, Huntley is not Lamar Jackson. Nobody is Lamar Jackson, but I feel great about calling him baby Lamar. I mean, it just, it, it just, it makes me feel like if Lamar were to, okay, if Lamar were to miss have a season-ending injury, I hate even, I hate even putting that energy in the air, but... If, if he were to have that, just like most teams, your, your starting quarterback, season-ending injury, your season's probably over. Mm-hmm. But if Lamar's out a game, two games, maybe even three games, I feel like Huntley can weather the storm, depending on, on who the, the, the opponent is. Um, he just, he keeps the offense the same. It's like you were talking about with the offensive line. You don't want to have like too much change. You want to have like a one-for-one. Like to me, that's that's with with Huntley. You don't have to change too much. You might have to scale it back a little bit because he's still younger and he's still, you know, making decisions and reads and all of that. But but it just it was it was baby Lamar. Like so many times, it was like was that Lamar? Was that Lamar? Was that Lamar? And it's just like he's not Lamar, but he's 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 a good enough clone that makes you feel good if if we were to lose Lamar for a game two or two or three games.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's the most that I'd be OK yeah. with. But you don't have to change the whole playbook. And I think that that's right. what I really like about your point here is that, you know, you can maybe hope your defense wins you a couple of ball games during that mm-hmm. time uh, like mm-hmm. they did in this one. And, uh, uh, you yeah, I think it'd be good. And it, it, Anyway, I, I think we pretty much covered this. Josh, is there anything else from the mailbag that we need to hit, be hitting on?
2: Uh, yeah. One last question from uh, Manfred about roster construction and do you think the Ravens will retain any players who are just special teams only or do you think there's too much young DBs and stuff that need to make it onto this roster
3: it's an extremely talented and deep secondary for them to keep players like Levine and Richards who are mostly it's their special teams value Richards I don't believe there's any value other than special teams so he's probably on the bubble first Levine um, you know he's the, he's a special team's captain he's not just that, and he also is the is a guy who maybe can play dime back for you um, I don't think that the Ravens really envision Levine as the dimeback anymore given all the other safety talent they have on the team with stone you know and Stevens in particular Stevens. I think ahead of him so you know where are you on this do you, do you think that they would keep these guys that that have been around that you know setter vets you know they're obviously great clubhouse people probably both of them but um what do you see
4: you talking to me or josh
3: no i'm, ta- I'm talking to you sarah
4: oh, okay <laughs> you're the guest I, I, just, um, I
3: just asked the questions
4: oh okay well i yeah so i um you don't want it to happen you don't want a specialty i'm okay with one special teams only guy Oh, beyond that, I, I don't I don't think you can get away with. Um, but I haven't studied special teams enough this preseason. I haven't studied it at all to really say who I think that should be. Um, but I just think that there are too many, there are too many other, uh, the offensive linemen. Do you wanna, do you, uh, I don't wanna sacrifice an offensive lineman. I don't wanna sacrifice a defensive lineman. I don't wanna sacrifice an, an outside linebacker like there's just so many t- places that I don't want to sacrifice uh what about wide receivers like I mean just so many things that you don't want to sacrifice for that and so um, back to your your point about I mean I want to see if if Williams can play on special teams is Odafe <laughs> is Odafe really going away really gonna be a gunner like I mean is he really gonna contribute there like are, are the Stevens or like are all there are there other places where they can get that where they don't need um, that special team only person to me I always like having I don't mind having one but beyond that I don't want to see it
3: yeah I, I think I'm going to go on record right now as predicting both of them are cut on August 31st that neither of them makes the team they're gonna to have to slip by guys onto injured reserve who are not really ready to play so they usually do that by wink wink deals with veterans and mm-hmm. look at the entire roster those two guys are the obvious guys to do it for they're, they're really, I mean, they, maybe there's an offensive lineman they can slip through and then and then bring him back if they if they think they like him. But I think those two guys are the obvious ones. I think Levine has value to the Ravens, not to anybody else. Richards maybe has some general value in special teams, but I don't believe enough to the Ravens to keep him on the roster. So it'd it have to be, you know, they're, they're they're getting two wide receivers, Bateman and maybe Boykin also go on injured reserve, and they're trying to keep them on the roster. And then they bring these two, um, bring maybe back one of the two, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yep. to play
4: yeah definitely going to be some roster maneuvering for that first 24 hours yeah yep
2: all right uh that takes care of it on the mailbag i am seeing if uh the raiders made the announcement that you need to be fully vaccined to go into their stadium this year so if you're heading head into week one you got to go out and get your vaccine now so that you'll be fully vaccined in time for the game.
3: Happy to hear it. We'll be out there so. looking for cheap tickets. Maybe there's some unvaccinated folks who just are standing their ground and, and will sell me their seats. Right. So, so if you're listening, go out and do that. But
2: that takes care of it uh, for the mailbag today.
3: All right, Sarah, uh, it's such a pleasure to talk football with you. I, uh, we go an hour and 20 here on a, on a preseason game. It seems excessive, and yet it, it's not to me. I love talking football with you. So, anytime you want, we'll, uh, we'll do this. And uh, let's try and get together for dinner sometime soon when you're in town again.
4: Sounds good. We'll, we'll do, Ken. Thanks, thanks for always having me. I appreciate it.
3: Wonderful. We'll talk to you real soon, and we'll talk to you next time on Filmstone. <laughs>